You're listening to Superhero Politics with Peter and David, the podcast for inspiring minds and those that love to challenge conventional thinking. Peter, welcome to this morning uh, to Superhero Politics. What I think we would be really interesting is to have a discussion a bit about yourself, where a bit about your background and how you got into got into politics. I mean, I think this is this is the first thing. So for those that don't know who you are, um, maybe just a little introduction and uh, and a bit about your thinking. Okay. Well, uh, right from eighteen, I wanted to uh, make the world a better place. Um, uh, no idea where that really came from. Um, you know, uh, but. Um, so university, uh, I then got a job in local government, um, trainee accountant actually, uh, thinking that uh, government, local government is where you can do the most good. Yeah. Um, I worked in local government for around about seven years uh, and it convinced me that uh, I was wrong, that uh, you can't actually do a lot of good within local government. Um, it is so rigid and hidebound and traditional that uh, innovation is uh, an alien thing to them. Uh, so uh, I then worked out that in order to do stuff, uh, the first thing you want to do is to be independently wealthy. Right, yeah. Because um, uh, if you've got enough money in the bank that you don't have to work, then you can do all the you politics can start to make a difference. You. Yeah. Uh, the other great thing about being independently wealthy is that you're not beholden. Yeah. Um, I've come across no end of people uh, who have said, I can't do that because of my job, because of my customers, because of uh, various uh, ties that they have. Uh, I'm a free agent. Um Generally, say, until recently, I've always been party-free. I've always been an independent. Um, and he, indeed, you know, being part of the Brexit Party, uh, the great advantage of the Brexit Party is that really it's pretty much only got one policy, right. uh, which is uh, get out of Europe. Uh, so I have a free reign on all the other stuff. So... Um, I succeeded in uh, making money, and I did that through uh, being the uh, the father of the internet, for want of a better description. Absolutely, that, that's uh, Pipex. Yeah, Pipex, uh, and Pipex International, and links, and there's various other aspects of it. Um, and uh, realised that uh, making the world a better place and making money aren't mutually exclusive things. Mm-hmm. In fact, more importantly, is that if you want to change the world that in a sustainable way, then your activity, your your project, must actually be self-funding. Um, uh, because you know, if you do it as a charity and what have you, when the money runs out or when your donors run out... It's, it's uh, the end. It, it, it's the end. Yeah. Uh, so... Uh, when you look at virtually all of my projects, um, they're either for-profit projects or they're not-for-profit projects but with a revenue stream. Because then you've got that sustainability element that will will keep them going and going and going, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Unfortunately, there's an awful lot of people who think that profit and doing good are mutually exclusive, um, which I find incredibly frustrating. But, uh, that. So uh, over the last 40-odd years, uh, I've founded something in the order of 100 organisations. Wow. Um, I would classify 50 of them as successful in that they achieve their objective. Um, and not quite the same 50 are still identifiable as operational. Uh, you know, of, often a division within a larger company or, or merged with another charity or something like that. But uh, uh, a, a, um, a success rate which uh, is... Uh, very respectable absolutely my goodness um and those projects are massively diverse uh uh, from uh, telecoms uh uh, to um media uh to development to homelessness uh and beyond um one of the uh, things that uh, i always find quite amusing is that many the success of many of my projects is unbelievable having so many unbelievable projects makes people think that i'm just telling lies this can't be correct yes it just can't be correct (laughs) um and uh it's very frustrating uh and that's why uh over this last uh, month, uh, I have decided. I decided to uh, take the Cambridge superhero moniker mm-hmm. um, to say that actually these things are real. Yeah, they're doable. I, that, they're, that, they're, I, I have done it. Yeah, um, and uh, the the next step of the superhero is to convince other people. That actually being a superhero is not that hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do look at the world a bit differently to most people. Uh, but a lot of my successes are because I've empowered other people to do the job. So, you know, uh, Lucy and Karen, who did the Sunflowers Hospice for them sick children, mm-hmm. um, they did all the work. I just... Uh, Worked with them, found them their resources, and um, and told them, yes, you can do it. So, you know, sort of two nurses from the paediatric ward at Attenbrooks yeah. now run a model uh, hospice for sick children in Coltenham. Um, Fantastic, yeah. What did I do? Uh, I, I like to characterise it as the uh, the Patrick Stewart character yeah. in the in the X Men, yeah. Xavier. Uh, you know. What he does is just manage and direct great people. Absolutely, and uh, and, and that's what I do. Yeah. So so do, do, let, let let let's have a look at a couple of those. Uh, you, you mentioned homelessness, uh, the work that you've done there. Do you want to expand a, a couple of uh, about those projects and what you've what what you've done in that space? Okay. So, um, the first project uh, that I'll talk about was Sandy Lane right. uh, in Durham. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did was uh, take over a redundant uh, children's hospital, right. uh, children's home, sorry, yep. uh, and convert it for homeless. Right. However, I'd done the, re- done the research on homeless and found that 
giving a home to the homeless doesn't solve the problem. Mm. Um, they actually need to be uh, re-engaged into society. And in order to do that, what they need is a job as well. Meaning, a, purpose. A home. Yeah. Um, and so the Sandy Lane project uh, had a ceramics workshop attached to it where we made handmade tiles, hand-painted tiles, various other ceramics. Um, and the idea was that that business would fund the, uh, the project. Yeah. Um, Coming back to that sustainability model where you, you can't just have something yeah. which provides, if, 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 it, if it's providing and self, you know, mm. self-sustaining, then it will be able to continue indefinitely. That's right. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, the, yeah, it was really quite remarkable. You, know, you, you, you took chaotic homeless people, you put them in that environment, and... 80% of them stabilised as, if you forgive the expression, normal people yeah. in, a, in a week or two. Wow. Um, um, and uh, within six months, ready to move on. Uh, typically what happens is, because they have employment and got secure accommodation, or their chaotic behaviour disappears, they can then get a job they, they didn't have to work in the ceramics. If they could get a job outside, that was a win. Yes. And then uh, once they got a job, then they can get their own accommodation. Uh, the problem with Sandy Lane, it was designed as a model project to show policymakers that this is how you should tackle homelessness. Unfortunately, policymakers don't go to the middle of Norfolk. Um so what we did is we moved it to Cambridge. Okay. Um, first thing we had to do was get accommodation. So uh, we uh, we took a failed homeless project to build uh, a uh, hostel underneath Elizabeth Way Bridge, right. what's now called the Jubilee Project. Right. Yeah. Um, the project that we took over was... Um, being sabotaged by various vested interests. Uh, but the big problem was that uh, the the architects had upped the specification to the point where it was three million pounds to, yeah. to do the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- they couldn't raise the money, obviously, because it was poor value for money. Yeah. Uh, so I took over the project. Uh, we built it for half a million pounds. Incredible. Um, in about six months. Uh, we moved the ceramic studio to a unit uh, by the airport yep. and uh, ran that for a while, yep. uh, only to discover that the policymakers actually don't move out of Westminster. Uh, <laughs> they won't even come to Cambridge. Uh, so um, somewhat disappointing. Mm. Um, and then the real frustration is that the politicians and the policymakers sabotaged the whole project. Uh, the first nail in the coffin was uh, minimum wage. Right. Um, yeah. My people were, you know, working for their rent, working for, you know, wages. But if we, when we had to pay them minimum wage our overheads went beyond our income. Right. And you lose that sustainability. And and, and so it's no longer sustainable. Yeah. Um, The other thing that happened 
was uh, the uh, regulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, these uh, clients were defined as vulnerable people, mm-hmm. and basically, you need one person full time just filling in forms. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's uneconomic when you've only got one one hostel. Yeah. Um, the model needs to be scaled up. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So. Uh, so, so I, I somewhat casually said that the day you tell me we have to write a policy document about policies, I'm going to uh, give up running a homeless project, to which uh, Lisa said, we've had one for six months. And so, uh, fine, that's yeah. enough. Uh, so we uh, handed it over for, for free to Cyrenians okay. who run it now. Fantastic. Um, but uh, sadly, they don't have this model of employment at the same time. Um, but but all of the framework exists. All of right. that can, can can be re yeah. sort of so resurrected in a yeah. way. Yeah. So yeah. So that's a history of that project. Yeah. Um, uh, the second project was uh, about uh, scaling up a charity uh, who who's looking after the homeless. Mm. Um, so I set up a company called Resonance, uh, which, had in, it, which invented a concept called impact investing. Okay. Uh, the idea is that uh, wealthy people want to get a return on their capital, but uh, they'd prefer it was used for something good yeah, rather than... absolutely. Uh, anything else so uh, we designed a product called real real letting fund mm-hmm. uh, which allows uh, it's, a, it's a fund that borrows money we use that to buy houses for st mungo's all right um st mungo's then puts vulnerable and uh, homeless people into this accommodation okay um there's a rent and so it's all sustainable uh, the uh, uh, the investors have a, yeah, money is secure and they get a they get normal a normal commercial return. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of this, St. Mungo's have uh, now housed one thousand five hundred vulnerable wow. people That's, uh, yeah. in approximately two hundred million pounds worth of houses around the country. That's incredible. Uh, so. Um, you know, Residence is now you know, probably one of the largest social landlords uh, in the country, and that's all happened in six years. Oh. Uh, and potentially that will scale uh, to uh, a billion in the next few years as we uh, uh, take it out across the country. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then the... <laughs> The third bit about uh, homelessness is um, the affordability of housing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, uh, particularly in the context of Cambridge, and I have for the last 30 years argued that Cambridge needs to have a planner who makes sure that the number of jobs and the amount of accommodation balance and it doesn't, and it doesn't uh, balance uh, in a gross way 
and it gets worse. Yeah, indeed, indeed. You know, the, the current plans are for building workplaces for twice as many people then as they have plans for building houses. Um, so uh, the sheer frustration of arguing about that uh, uh, led me to look at the planning for Cambridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I First of all, I had to get a debate going, so I, I hung a full sign on the Cambridge uh, welcome to Cambridge sign on uh, Trumpeton Road. As you enter, yeah. Yeah, uh, and the local newspaper uh, covered it, saying, Cambridge is full, says local entrepreneur. <laughs> and that started a debate. Yeah. Um, that led to uh, a, a group of us uh, setting up a thing called Cambridge 2020. Right. Uh, 20 years ago. Um to look at the future, to try and plan it. Um, The management of that project didn't go well. Uh, I got very frustrated with it. Um, And one of the problems was they weren't looking at the option of building a new town. There was six other options, but not new town. And I thought, well, we really ought to look at a new town. Mm -hmm. So went off did the research, uh, and the more I looked at new towns, the better the it was as an option. Uh, most important thing about a new town is you can't pretend there's spare infrastructure that you're going to steal. You've got to build the schools, you've got to build the doctor's surgeries, yes. you've got to build the roads. Yeah, uh, you, you can't say, well, they're already there in Cambridge, we don't have to do it. Doing, yeah. uh, so it has to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won the argument. Uh, so, not very good at dates, but about 15 years ago, wow, yeah, okay. uh, the planning inspector determined that a new town should be built on Longstanton Barracks, Oakington, uh, RA Oakington, which is, which which is, is now, now North Stowe. Yeah. Um, to which I thought, job done, mm-hmm. walked away. Uh, Again, my naivety of uh, politicians uh, took yet another bashing uh, because you know here was an opportunity to build fifty thousand houses and solve Cambridge's housing problem. Indeed. So, what did the politicians do? Well, first of all, they reduced it from fifty thousand to ten, and oh, then pushed paper around for 15 years before they built the first house. Um, Unbelievable. And, um, yeah, it, it is being built now. Uh, it's it's a travesty of a new town. Um, and it is completely down to a failure of politics. Um, what should have happened and the... You know, there's laws there. It should have been a development corporation. Yep. Uh, because if you if you compare the success and the integrated nature of Milton Keynes, yeah, uh, now it, it's a town that works. It, absolutely. Um, now, okay, it was designed for a calm environment. Yeah. Um, which at the time was the right thing to do, but you know. What, again, one of the most frustrating things is that the UK has the world's best city planners. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's just that they do all of their best work in China, in India, in Singapore, (laughs) (laughs) which is which is they're they're not allowed to practice their profession because the politicians get in the way. Um, They say, "Oh no, no, no!" It's all it's fashionable at the moment to have wood cladding. Um, Let's put everything on wood cladding. No, oh, don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll we'll leave that to the side for a bit. <laughs> so, um, so you know, there's a whole range of stuff there. The homeless about, and, and and it's an indication of how a superhero works in that you look for systemic solutions, yeah. not sticking plasters. No, no. Um, you know, I. And I think that's a really important distinction. Is, is you yeah. know, you, you 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 don't want to go and and sort of quickly treat. Uh, this just the symptom and say okay problem yeah. solved. It's yeah. it's really about uh, you know yeah. a long term. So you know people go on about social housing. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you're lucky enough to get one, yes, you but you have a you. You, you have a higher disposable income. But it means that two nurses, one in the social health, one not so lucky, yeah. are a thousand pounds a year. Um, Discrepancy between the difference. Two. It's just it's just not fair, and it doesn't solve the problem. If we balanced the number of jobs and the number of houses, then we don't have the supply and demand issue where the prices get driven way up and uh, precisely, yeah, you're, you're precisely locally um, can't afford to live. Uh, which you know brings us neatly to you know, one of my current policies, which is that for Cambridge, we should simply stop building labs and offices um, until the housing supply catches up, um, and. Yeah. Yes, it will mean that the growth in jobs stops in Cambridge. But if we don't do that, uh, we're actually going to be a busted flush of a town anyway. Yeah, because uh, yeah. you'll literally push everybody out because yeah. they won't be able to, to, right. to live or have accommodation or, 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 yeah. or even afford it. Yeah. You know, you, you, you've got this ridiculous situation now where, you know, what I call railway cottages down Mill Road, 300, 500,000 pounds. I know, yeah. You know, um, you've got to be on 80,000 a year <laughs> to live in a terraced house built in Victorian times. Staggering. You know, this, yeah. you know, you know, I don't think the best people will tolerate that. Uh, and so what they'll do is go to a town that is better planned. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and you, then you have a then then the, then the city really suffers. You know, it's it's a, it's a quite a short term view of of, um, of of city planning, really. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I, when I look at what's happened to Cambridge, I just see a town that has got captured by greedy people. Yeah, uh, plain and simple. Yeah. Uh, and the politicians are complicit in this. Um, yeah, they 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 wring their hands. They you know, they say, "Ah, oh, but ah, oh, but no, you know, it's on their watch. They're, 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 you know, they're the government. Yeah, they should govern." Yeah. Okay. So, what can people? What can sort of the the the, the average Cambridge person living in Cambridge do about this? Is it what 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 action can we take now? You know, what what is there? What options do we currently have? One of the things I would say is don't bother going to any of the uh, council-run uh, talking shops. Um, uh, they manage the agenda. Uh, they pick up everything that supports their case 
and drops everything that doesn't support their case. They call it consultation. It's a travesty. Mm. Um, so uh, what you have to do is guerrilla action. Right. Um, what I'm looking for someone to do at the moment is uh, to do a judicial review, uh, a court challenge mm -hmm. uh, of the uh, planning guidelines that they're doing, or simply on the basis that there's no water. Um, you know, again, one of the things, one of the things you do uh, to, if you're a supervisor, you look, you look for opportunity. Um, and sometimes something comes up, an opportunity where you think, this is the this is the lever that will give you superpowers. Mm -hmm. And the Cambridge water crisis is real and insoluble. Uh, right. And so uh, we now have the lever. Yes. Um, you listen to the politicians and they'll wring their hands and say, we don't have powers and water isn't a statutory, da, da, da. There's a thing called common law, mm -hmm. okay? And people are not allowed to do you harm. And yes. us not having a reliable supply of water... Will do is, us harm. Is harm. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, just... Don't play by their rules. You know, you know, don't don't go to their committees. Just look for the opportunity and then subvert it, um, and uh, own the agenda. Um, you know, th there's other things we can do. You know, I, I I think there's actually an argument of a citizen group uh, lobbying any business that is looking to relocate to Cambridge and saying, you're not welcome, go away. And if you've got any sense, you won't come anyway. Yeah. And give the example of AstraZeneca, right. um, which uh, unfortunately, uh, every project is defined a success. Um, uh, All too easily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Usually what happens with politicians is they redefine failure as success. Uh, so, um, yeah, AstraZeneca aren't going to say that it was an absolute disaster coming to Cambridge because it... Um, but I will guarantee that some chief executive in the future will blame the chief executive that chose to come here, saying it was all his fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but there's enough anecdotal evidence about that to uh, undermine people c coming in. So, yeah, bring, um, bringing in new operations and more right. people. And, yeah. and, um, uh, and it, it sounds perverse, but getting Cambridge as a reputation of a overheated economy where yeah. um, it's, you know, people uh, don't want their families to be here. Yeah. I, I do get Cambridge, by the way. Mm -hmm. The people in Cambridge are amazing. Yes. Um, yeah, and the intellectual discussions and uh, the, the cultural stuff at Cambridge is amazing. It's the basic living <laughs> uh, hygiene. That is becoming that is, more and more challenged, awful. yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, 
I think, um, you know, the the balance between those is probably getting to the point where people are actually saying the the cultural side of Cambridge actually isn't good enough to yeah. justify staying here. Yeah. And the sad thing is that we see a lot of people that have studied at the at, at the university and then gone on to 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 buy their own houses but can't afford to live in Cambridge and they move out to the outskirts and then uh, unfortunately never come back into Cambridge because now they're just that far out and they they make their own little communities on on on, on the outskirts and so you kind of take this 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 the cultural the 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 what makes Cambridge so so exciting but you're pushing it out to right to the outer limits and um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, it's c- certainly as soon as you get a small family, uh, yeah, as soon as you get a family, yeah, and you move out into the, um, uh, you you do lose that whole uh, culture thing. So you know, uh, fundamentally, all those uh, interesting places are either uh, no kids yeah. or empty nesters. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, whenever you know, sort of, there's never anyone between thirty and. 30 and 50 at those events uh you know i go to quite a few um and uh, it's because like you know they can't get yeah you know, they can't they can't live in the town and they can't get in and out for a one hour two hour event yeah. uh that that frequently um, yeah it's tra- tragedy Absolutely. Right, so, so, so Peter, they, uh, anyone that wants to get involved or get more information or reach out to you, they can head over to superherodoor.co.uk and I believe there's two forms they can get involved. They click on the Get Involved link. Uh, they can fill out uh, their, their details there, put some, uh, s- some ideas down if they, if they want to, to, to start a project or uh, want to be involved in, uh, in elements that, uh, that, you are, that we've discussed today. 